Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello all, you're listening to Curing the Air on Free CR 855 AM. This is Frank speaking and I'll be co-hosting with Iris. Hello Iris. Hello listeners. How's it going? Um, it's okay. It's been a bit of a change in the weather. Much cooler today than yesterday. Ah, oh, I hear you. <laughs> God, it was boiling out out um, there. And what have we got in in store for listeners today? Well, first of all, before before I go into that, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Sovereignty was never ceded. So, seeing as it's the end of the year, we're going to be doing something a bit different uh, today. Uh, we'll be reviewing a few zines that uh, we've read over the over this year, some books, we'll be going into a few news, so it's going to be a pretty, pretty chill program, I think. So, yeah, but in the meantime... Uh, we'll be right back, right after this. Uh, welcome back to Crew in the Air on Free CR 855 AM. Uh, so since joining the show, we've uh, been interviewing interviewing a number of guests related to the uh, zine community. Um, and yeah, all of whom have uh, been... Uh, living in Melbourne, all who identify as queer, uh, some of which discuss queer issues uh, in their zines, but also a whole variety of things such as uh, such as gardening, fantasy, uh, cyberpunk and history. So what I thought it might be fun to do is to just go through some of the zines that I've bought this year and review them. Uh, so, yep, I'll also provide links to get the zines at the end of each review. Um, I should also probably point out now that there's um, these zines tend to discuss issues of uh, um, what, uh, mental illness, ableism, suicide, and body dysmorphia. So that's a uh, gen- that's a, a trigger warning for for those out there. So uh, first up is they slash them by an artist called Amber is Blue, um, which we actually interviewed on the last show. Uh, so they slash them is a short little zine about uh, Amber's gender journey. It starts off with Amber experimenting with gender expression, uh, in their words, going between thinking they were a boy and thinking that they were a girl. Uh, it yeah, it also goes uh, goes into talking about gender dysmorphia, definition of non-binary, and how even though they feel dysphoric and hurt over b- being misgendered, that they feel more comfortable about themselves. Um, yeah, um, Iris has a copy of They Slash Them Now. Uh, Iris, what do, you, what do you think of it? Um, well, I haven't, I haven't read it, but, um, yeah, um, that, like, that question about gender, that question about are you a girl or a boy is one that's been present in my life a lot. Um, and I suppose, like, I use they and she pronouns... Um, and it's interesting about it, different parts of my life. I've just used they pronouns and they haven't been coherent to people, um, in a way at all. Um, and it's, that's, yeah, the sort of limited sort of binary society we live in, I guess. 
Mm, absolutely. It yeah. It also goes into talking about gender dysmorphia. It has a definition of non the non-binary gender is in general, and how even though uh, Amber still feels dysphoric and hurt over being misgendered, that they feel more comfortable about themselves ultimately. Um, it's a very short read, but it's quite eloquent and gentle. Um, honestly, I would have loved to have read something like this when I was questioning my gender. So, the story is accompanied by some drawings Amber has done, which are quite simple, almost like what you would see in a children's drawing. In fact, I think some of them might have even been drawn in texta, but I don't quite know. But um, I think it's quite effective here as it fits with Amber's struggles uh, in childhood and sort of conveys a poignant feeling throughout. And considering it sort of links to, um, child- to Amber's childhood, I think that that's, you know, it's a very appropriate kind of style to, uh, to draw it in. So... Yeah, I highly recommend picking up this scene. So if you look up Amber is Blue on Facebook or Instagram, you should find a link to their Etsy store where you can pick up the zine. That was They Slash Them by Amber is Blue. So the next scene I wanted to talk about was called Impeachable by Talia Enright, who is an artist from Brisbane I have met many, many times, uh, and who did the publication Wolfpack, uh, which is a great zine. If, 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 if you're in Brisbane or anywhere else, you should pick it up. So this scene is about Talia's experiences with using the internet at in its early stage and exploring her identity and how she interacts with others online. Um, so yeah, I, I remember the early days of the internet were kind of a kind of a barren wasteland. Um, Iris, what are your recollections of the internet at that uh, first using the internet? I mean, um, first using the internet. Um, well, I think. Someone born in 1989. Um, I suppose the internet was, I guess it was AOL and MSN <laughs> Messenger, and it was like computer games I was into. Um, yeah, I suppose like the early stage of the internet, in contrast to, I guess, um, more recently, were not stages where really I found queer or trans stuff. Um, so I'm just thinking, I wonder what would happen if I found that back then. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I still remember using GeoCities to do a, a Final Fantasy VII fan page, but that's a story for another day. Uh, so, yeah, so um, it also sort of goes into uh, how she wants to be held accountable for her mistakes and how and how to grow from them and how this is seen by others as, on the internet. Um, I'd like to think we all can, can learn from our mistakes. Um, we're, we're only human after all, and at some point... We're, we're going we're going to we're going to make mistakes um although sometimes the the internet can be a bit of a hostile place to do this um uh, so talia sort of makes connections to how much of uh, as i pointed out before how much of a barren wasteland the early internet was and how trying to connect to the others like sort of involved trying to present a more a simplified version of the self so sort of like an, an avatar um so, you know presenting an avatar to um the, the rest of the internet so uh, yes, Harris. Mm, yeah, so like the, as, like the way this scene is made is, um, yeah, it's really striking. It's got a particular color palette that is like this purple, blue, and orange, and pink, mm. and it's really like the graphics, and the, I mean, the way it's been put together. Yeah, it's it's quite. Like striking, and mm. I like it. Yeah, it sort of um, fits the 
I guess it fits fits the the impeachable title. It kind of looks like a peach. It actually, when I bought it, actually came with a peach lolly, but that has since been consumed. <laughs> um, it didn't survive. Yeah, it did not survive. So yeah, and and just the way that uh, she incorporates like sort of like uh, typical computer images such as dialog boxes, commands, and avatars, it, it sort of makes up a, a sort of collage with the image. And so yeah, it makes the zine quite distinctive and inter- and 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 really compelling. So and what's interesting is uh, at, like at the end, she makes a point to mention that um, you know the the, the term impe- impeach or impeachable has certain connotations considering recent events. And she does make a point to mention that it was written before Donald Trump uh, was elected into office. So it certainly gives the the title a whole new meaning. Uh, yeah, so it's a very interesting read as Talia takes you through her journey in paper form. So if if you'd like a copy, you can email Talia at talia.enright, that's E-N-R-I-G-H-T, at gmail.com. And her Etsy is kissyface zine distro. Definitely pick up a copy. Um, so yeah, speaking of um, speaking of artists from Brisbane, there's uh, quite a number of artists in that city that are keeping the zine and comic culture alive. And um, I think Melbourne Melbourne is renowned for having a big zine and comic culture here, but I think Brisbane might just be catching up. So definitely keep an eye on them. So yeah, one of these zines is Rabbits and Relics by Ray White. I've had the honour of meeting Ray at the National Young Writers Festival back in 2016, and they're a superb poet and writer. So this scene in particular is about an island in Japan called Okunashima, which is also known as Rabbit Island. As the name would suggest, the island is home to many rabbits, but what is also interesting is that it has a lot of history behind it. It housed a poison gas factory during World War II and was used for chemical warfare in China. Uh, so, yeah, that, that factory has since been turned into a museum. So the zine sort of details Ray's uh, visitation of the site, which uh, contains images of the museum where the, where the poison gas factory was, alongside pictures of rabbits on the island and Ray sort of supplies various facts and, um, uh, you know, Im- uh, Im- you know, facts and, 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 and tidbits about the, the history behind it. And, uh, what I, what I really find quite striking with the zine is how there's like lots of, um, lots of really cute Im- images about rabbits and, and, and whatnot. And it's contrasted with, um, with, with the factory and, um, you know, you sort of pick it up and even the title rabbit Island sounds really, you know, sweet and innocent. And in a, in a way it is, but on the other hand, yeah, to have it juxtaposed with, um, you know, having to juxtapose with such somber imagery is really, really quite striking. Um, but yeah, it is definitely well worth picking up if you'd like to know a bit about Japan's history that you wouldn't hear about anywhere else. So yeah, you can pick up a copy at Ray White Poetry. Ray, by the way, is spelled R-A-E. So that's raywhitepoetry.wordpress.com. And you can also follow Ray on Facebook at Ray White Official. That's one word. Um, is this the same Ray White the Poet? Or is that a different Ray? Or is I've confused. N- no. So there's this array that's written poetry that I've read. Is this the same? Is one of them Milk Teeth? Um, yeah, I think it is. It's because um, I read Ray Wade and Overland, and I'm thinking. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's def- that's definitely them. Yeah, yeah. It is. Mm. Yeah, they do that's a lot of great yeah. writing. Hmm. So yeah, that. So yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, if you want to pick up a copy, that's Ray White official on Facebook. So, um, the next scene I'm about to review contains explicit references to mental illness, ableism, and abuse, so I would just like to give off another trigger warning related to those those topics. So, the zine is Stigmata Number no. 0 by non-binary artist Iggy Dido J. The zine is about Iggy's struggles with being a young, autistic, disabled person living in an ableist society. 
Iggy uses a cane to walk as they have twisted their ankle due to an incident on the steps of Melbourne Central, which unfortunately often leads to stairs on public transport as people refuse to give them a seat due to the fact that they're a young person that happens to be holding a cane. And, you know, it it truly is a sad state of affairs when people think that only the elderly should be wielding canes and that young disabled people don't deserve seats on public transport. And, you know, I really hope that changes soon. It it can be a very sombre and confronting read. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 quite confronting. Um, but it's it's certainly not a hopeless tale because the centre around it is Iggy talking about their discovery of Cripple Punk or C Punk for short, which uh, is a manifesto written by a Tumblr user known as Ty, who passed away in November two thousand seventeen, and how empowered Iggy feels about it. So, for those that don't know what that is, C Punk is essentially a manifesto about, as explained by Urban Dictionary, and I'm just going to get the definition here: a movement about rejecting pity, um, inspiration porn, and other forms of ableism. So, the idea that disabled people are not defined by how well they achieve in the eyes of able-bodied society. Um, so, yeah, it's you know. As I'm not disabled, this is not something I can particularly comment on, but it definitely has my full support. And Iggy also mentions that they'd like to get into contact with those who are who are disabled and who also identify with the C-Punk movement. And you can do so by emailing Iggy at Iggy underscore J, that's J-A-E, at Outlook.com. And yeah, Iggy, Iggy is just a very eloquent writer and makes points that are very heartbreaking, upsetting, but ultimately leaves you hopeful that maybe the world will one day leave its prejudices behind. Um, in, in particular, I'd like to read a passage from this scene, as this quote particularly stuck with me. Um, I know my body's limitations. I know I need to walk slowly with my cane. I know that I need to take my medication forever. Otherwise, I'm even worse off, worse than I am offered. I want to live to see the world become more accepting of disabled folks, not just tolerating or even being outright hostile. So, yeah, um, you can pick up a copy by contacting Iggy at the aforementioned email. So that was E underscore J at Outlook.com. And you can also visit their Instagram, which is uh, at Honey in Exile, where you can also buy some of their art pieces. They're a very talented artist and I definitely recommend it. So, um, Iggy, if you're listening to this, you're doing amazing and you have our support. So, yeah, um, you know, speaking on a slightly more lighter note, um, one of the things that I really like about zines is that there's no limit to the kind of things one can talk about, and so the subject matter for them can just have a lot of variety. An example of uh, such a zine is Deathly Botanica by Laura Bibby, also known as Blue Murder Online. Laura is uh, interested in folklore, she's interested in Shakespeare, and, and but also um, gardening and fauna in general, and it definitely shows in this scene as it lists facts about various poisonous plants, some of which you probably would have heard before, as they're quite prominent in pop culture. Uh, there's uh, plants such as hemlock, poison ivy, and mandrake, the latter of which was used uh, most prominently in Harry Potter. Um, but there's also some plants that you may not be particularly familiar with, such as foxgloves or uh, datura. Um, yeah, it's it's a very enjoyable it's a very enjoyable read with some very interesting facts about the different plants um iris do you do you know much about this kind of thing about plants um i have done a little bit of botany before but i suppose there's so many plants and some areas i know about others i don't know about so much um so i know about a couple of the plants 
in here and I know about the family, the plant families, Solanaceae family has a lot of poisonous plants as well as like things like tomatoes and it's got the deadly nightshade in here. Um, yeah, so there's like a whole world of plant knowledge that I know small bits of. Um, yeah. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, um, I, I used to do a bit of gardening uh, back in the day. I was not much of one. I didn't really... Not anymore. Well, I mean, I mean, the, pr- the problem is now is that I, li- I live in Northcote in an apartment building where there's nothing but concrete as far as the eye could see. But I do... Do you have a balcony? I do. Um, yeah, I do, have, I, do have two, um, I do have two palm trees that I water every now and then. But yeah, I'd, I'd really like to get back into gardening. Actually, it's quite a peaceful and serene experience. Um, quite, quite a lot of queer people love gardening. I think it's kind of a shared a shared um interest which i think is pretty pretty amusing um but yeah it's it's a very calming uh uh activity um yeah so uh going back to the zine uh, one of the one of the facts that really sticks to mind was uh like how deadly nightshade was used as an ascetic for surgery during the middle ages which um yeah is a very interesting fact it it definitely makes me wonder you know how how well the surgeries went back in that time and there's also a handy glossary of terms at the back uh should you be unfamiliar with the various gardening terms used throughout um yeah it's a it's a very cute little interesting zine and yeah you'll you'll learn all about the different kind of different kinds of plants there are in the world or at least the poisonous ones so yeah um if you'd like to buy a copy you can search up blue murder that's b-l-o-o-m-u-r-m-u-r-d-r-d D-E-R, sorry, uh, on Etsy. And you can also fo- follow Laura on Facebook through uh, Blue Murder Zines. So one more zine that I'd like to talk about is actually by an artist that we've interviewed on a previous show, which is Kale McHurst. And the zine in question is Polyamory Isn't For Everyone. Um, we've, we've, we've talked about this quite a lot on the episode that Kale was on, so I won't go too much into detail about it. But basically, it's a short autobiographical comic about Kale trying out polyamory for the first time with a new partner and the challenges and hardships that come uh, come with it. So I, I just want to be clear because um, the concept of polyamory definitely has a lot of misconceptions by mainstream society. But, you know, I'm someone that practices uh, ethical polyamory. I've got a, a number of partners. And so the thing that I, I personally think defines successful polyamory is honest communication and assuring that both your own uh, your own needs and your partner's needs are are met, but also that you know also that you're you know compatible with with each other, and and yeah, that's the great thing about this comic is that Kale does acknowledge that polyamory can work and it can be a really wonderful um, lifestyle choice. It's just not something that's suitable for her. Um, so the story is illustrated with Kale's um, interesting style. It's got influences of anime but it's also got some traces of a lot of american indie comics uh uh some of the female artists who who draw there such as uh kate leff uh jen bartell and noelle stevenson so it's yeah it's it's got a really nice fluid kind of art style describing it on uh describing it on the radio is uh quite difficult but um yeah the the lines are really sort of like loose and, and curvy and it, it tells the story really well um, yeah, it's, um, one of the things that I should probably point out about the zine is that it's actually, the story behind it is actually quite bigger than what's contained in it. The actual story is well over a hundred pages. So the zine, this scene is merely the start of it. And so 
You can find the rest of the comic at Kale, that's K-H-A-L-E, kalemchurstcomics.tumblr.com. And if you'd like to read Kale's other work, you can pledge to our patron at patreon.com slash kalemchurst. So, yeah, that's that's really all the zines I've got to review today. Um, yeah, and I have um, yep. a call out to give a shout out. Um, Red Pocket Press is um, looking for submissions. So Red, Red Pocket Press celebrates Queer Lunar New Year through stories, art and zines. And it's put together by a previous presenter on Queering the Air. Oh. Um, and you can t- find us at zennard.com. That's... X-E-N-N-H-A dot C-O-M and quoting from there, as the curator of the zine, my intention is for Red Pocket to be a space for thoughtful dialogue and exchange between queer Southeast and East Asians with queer Aboriginal folks here on Kulin Nation. Our Lunar New Year Year ceremonies, rituals and gatherings with family, chosen and blood, would be empty without honouring our relationship with First Nations people whose land we live on. Who can submit? Red Pocket Press invites queer Aboriginal folks, folks and queer Asians who have culturally, cultural and family connections with Lunar New Year to contribute to our zine. We welcome mixed-race folks because we recognise the history that white Australia continues to erase, namely the experience of queer Aboriginal Chinese people. Where does the money go? Funds generated from Red Pocket will be donated to the Warriors of Aboriginal Resistance. The funds will support a queer initiative responding to Aboriginal youth who have the highest suicide rate in the world. Interested in submitting to or have questions, you can go to the website or email redpocketpress at gmail.com. And um, a few weeks ago, I put this up on our Facebook page. If, um, if this applies to you and you're interested in submitting, send, um, yeah, submit. Awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely check that out. And um, yeah, it sounds like a really good, um, really good, um, really good thing to to sum- submit to. So yeah, if you're interested, definitely, definitely submit to it. Um, so yeah, um, if so, if you're if you're interested in making zines, like I highly recommend doing it. And I wouldn't hesitate if if you feel like maybe your writing or drawing isn't up to scratch, because the great thing about zines is that it's just pure, pure expression. I mean, the main thing is just about sharing your passion, sharing your facts with the world and the the good thing is that there's just places around that can can do that so there's the sticky institute there's uh squish face comic studios and there's true paper comics so definitely look them up if you're in the city um oh and also uh in particular sticky institute has um uh, applications open for the festival of the photocopier zine fair uh, which is extremely popular um there's quite a number of visitors and the interesting thing about next year's is that it's going to be a two-day event as opposed to one day so the event i believe is on february the second the second weekend of february next year so i believe that's the 13th and the 14th but yeah if you if you go to the sticky institute page on facebook you should be able to uh apply there so yeah um so we'll be right back but in the meantime listen to this welcome back to queering the air on free cr 85 am that was once the radio edited by nyari um and uh, yeah i'm here i'm iris and i'm in the studio here with frank um on 3CR Community Radio, 3cr.org.au slash streaming or 855am on your AM dial or on digital radio or on demand 
all the things. Um, so now I'm going to go into some news items. Um, most recently, the other weekend was the day after the election, Victorian election. Um, I was seeing the Liberals sort of fall to a quite into a bit of a mess, really, um, and the ALP sort of trounce them. And a lot of people have pointed out that the ALP is not the solution to a lot of um, systemic problems. And um, what... Well, and going back to a more local campaign thing and a politician that's been mentioned on this show before, um, this, the anti-sex work camp, um, campaign campaigner and politician from the Greens, Kathleen Maltzen, didn't win, but it, um, and that's good on that way, but at the same time, we still have an ALP politician um, in, which... Yeah, it's a long way of um, like major change that I want for. Like a swing to ALP is not exactly great from my perspective. Um, so that election happened. That was one thing that happened. And another thing that's happened. I shared this during the week. There was a new. There was an article published on Prison Abolition, written by New Kagori and Whit Church and. They talked to Thursday Breakfast as well, so you can listen to Thursday Breakfast um, on demand on the 3cr.org.au website to hear them speak about this article. An article is entitled, We Need to Abolish Prisons to Disrupt a Society Built on Inequality. I'm just going to read an excerpt from it. And so it's published on the 26th of November in The Guardian. For a settler nation that began as a penal colony, it is no coincidence Australia has an obsession with putting people in prisons. Right now, there's, there is a meta-narrative and obsession that is going over our heads from Manus Island and Nauru, Dondale, to the Victorian election platform of demonising African young people. New, um, New South Wales forced adoption laws, prison expansion and privatisation in both Victoria and Queensland. Whether we know it or not, what, are we, what we are talking about is incarceration. For a settler nation that began as a penal colony, it is no coincidence that we have an obsession with putting people in prisons. The foundation of this nation are prisons. Jail is something we take as part of the furniture in the settler state. So go check that out if you're interested and have a read of that. Um, and sticking to a lot of um, systemic issues and politics, George H.W. Bush died a day or two ago, um, and... I suppose a lot of politicians here have praised praised him and paid tribute to him. Um, but this really forgets that was so much activism that pointed out how much all the war crimes he was responsible for. And a lot of activism pointing out his neglect of the AIDS crisis and ACT UP, which is a direct action group, pointed out Bush is a serial killer for ignoring all the people dying of AIDS that the government was ignoring at the time. Um, and there's a number of articles out on him, including um, one in The Nation um, that points out, and I quote, as director of the CIA, vice president, and then president, Bush exacerbated the material conditions that allow AIDS to flourish in the first place. 
what causes AIDS question mark? And why has it always so disparately affected black people? Many who research and pharmaceutical interventions are important in dealing with the consequences of seroconversion and limiting onward transmission of HIV. But AIDS is caused by broader social problems, homelessness, inadequate access to healthcare, political instability, racism, homophobia, and the violence of capitalism. And on these fronts, Bush is guilty. His, quote, behavior matters. So yeah, that was a quote from The Nation. And and yesterday was World World AIDS Day, which I think started in 88, in all the activism and social movements are like trying to push for healthcare um, that governments were neglecting in the AIDS crisis. And, and this is still an ongoing thing. We talked to, um, um, we talked about this on a previous episode. So check that out. So I've just gone blank on, yeah, Nick Hollis from the Institute of Many, um, and talked to on a previous show, definitely check out that previous episode. Um, and one of the, there's a really good documentary about this. It's the US one, like ACT UP was founded in Melbourne in 1990, so, but it doesn't have, the history is a little bit different here, but um, so there's a US documentary produced called United in Anger, um, which is a history of ACT UP. Um, with a lot of oral history and stuff, produced by Jim Hubbard and Sarah Schulman. Just and they, it has a, it's a video thing. I'm just going to play a small excerpt of it, and I'm going to read the um, the text sections of it for listeners. Between 1981 and 1987, over 40,000 people died of AIDS in the United States. During the crucial first years of the crisis, President Ronald Reagan never said I the word AIDS. I remember calling my parents after a while, and they became almost the measure of how much grief was in my life, because I would tell them about the next friend who was sick or the next friend who was dying, and they were... It was so interesting, because unlike my friends even, they were the ones who would say to me, this isn't supposed to be happening to someone your age. Living in New York at that time was like, crazy because you know, people are getting sick every day, three, four, five, six people that you, that you hear about being sick. Here I was trying to deal with having the virus, trying to figure out how to keep myself healthy, and then all of a sudden all of my friends who were my support started getting sick and then started to die. There was no information. I think it was shrouded. The information was shrouded. I think on a powerful level, in terms of the powers that be, um, it was not. It was happening to a convenient population or convenient populations. Um, it was gay people who were just getting what they deserved. It was, you know, junkies. How deeply are Americans worried about AIDS? A Los Angeles Times poll found that 50% of Americans favor quarantine for AIDS victims. 48% said they should be issued special identification. 15% said AIDS victims should be tattooed. We were very scared of that the Reagan administration was going to put people with AIDS in internment camps. And I think that we came close to that in this country. I immediately figured out that this was the Vietnam War all over again. It was about people in power not caring about the lives of people who didn't have power and being willing to uh, accept a system of attrition. 
where people would die. I read in The Native that Larry Kramer was going to replace Nora Ephron, who was scheduled to speak at the center, but had canceled, and Larry was the replacement. Kramer delivered a fiery speech, and I remember he asked uh, like half of the audience to stand up, and he said, you're all going to be dead in six months. Now what are we going to do about it? Larry gave the spark with his speech, absolutely. No question like that, but the, the fuel that was ready to explode was already there. March 10, 1987, Larry Kramer speaks at New York Lesbian and Gay Center calling for a new AIDS movement. March 12, 1987, two days later, 300 people gathered to form ACT UP, the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. power. We are a diverse, non-partisan group of individuals, united in anger and committed to direct action to end the AIDS crisis. And we'll leave that there. Check out United in Anger, that um, film on ACT UP. It is on YouTube. Check that out. Now I'm going to move on to two books I've recently read. Um, The first is a non-fiction book, um, and it is called... um, And this includes a word that... um, I'm only using because it's like used in a book and it isn't a word I'd otherwise use because sex workers don't use um, prostitute. But the, the book is called Revolting Prostitutes, um, The Fight for Sex Worker Rights. And it's a really good book that I recommend people check out. It talks about um, the difference between criminalization regimes, Nordic model and decriminalization. It talks about work and labor rights and it really situates yeah it's a sort of really book that's really necessary unfortunately because we have a lot of radical feminists that are very anti-sex work and it's also and it's not uncritical of different aspects doesn't see decriminalization as like a panacea for things when there's things like poverty and borders that prevent um poor sex workers migrant sex workers from rights um as well so it's a really it's a really like thorough book pretty solid book i recommend people check it out um has a really good chapter on borders um as well that sort of combats the sort of trafficking discourse that i suppose people like kathleen maltz and here um have built careers around it really sort of tears that in part, I recommend people check out that book, and it's published by Verso and written by Juno, Mac, and Molly Smith, who are both in the UK. Another book I've read recently is Sisters of No Mercy by Vincent Silk, who um, is based here in um, Melbourne. Um, I'm just going to read out the synopsis. And it's published by Briar Books, and I quote the synopsis. Megastorm Martha has wreaked havoc, and it's harder than ever to find a home. Hapless Pinky Dell, Mother Hen and Mentor, and the ever-resourceful and sometimes sleuth Armand as members of Sisters of No Mercy, a band of vigilantes, a pack of thieves, or a new wave commune. This underground network has a fresh target, higher to a mining fortune and property mogul Dirk T- Trench. Can these underdogs take on the establishment and win? 
Vincent Silk's Zinji debut novel fuses climate fiction and hysterical realism with all the tension of a carefully planned and finally executed heist. Written with humour, stinging social observations and surprising insights, Sisters of No Mercy, Sisters of no Mercy announces Silk as an exciting new literary voice. So, yeah, um, that's, so that's Sisters of No Mercy, and it was... And I've read that as really one of my most, I guess, one of my favorite fiction books I've read this year. I think um, just how Vin- how Vincent how he writes about place is really and geography is really good. Um, yeah, Vincent also wrote a thing in Archer magazine earlier in the year on this share house in Sydney called the Dirty Habit, and it's and his writing in that also is really good, talking about place and queerness and gentrification as well um it's just it's I, I think I got lost in a few parts of the book but that might be because I was just a bit lost in general but there's some really memorable passages and there's a lot of different characters a lot of complexity and craft to it and I really enjoyed that so check that out if you're interested in that as well and if you've just tuned in you're tuned into Querying the Air on 3CR Community Radio I'm Iris in the studio with Frank. And we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Crew in the Air, Free CR 855 AM. I'm Frank and I'm co-hosting this show with Iris. So we've got a number of events to promote, uh, one of which is actually organised by uh, myself. Um, It's the Franken Launch uh, 18. Uh, so on Sunday, the 16th of December, um, I'll be launching uh, most of my, my previous books because uh, 2018 has actually been the year where I've, um, where, where I've returned to, to making comics after a two-year hiatus. So yeah, um, uh, I think I've discussed this long ago, but most of my comics are sort of like horror and sci-fi influence, but have feature a lot of queer and um, non-binary characters. So the books I'll be launching are Worse Things... Hell Broke Loose, The Black Cat. Um, I also did a comic, uh, Boys in Town, which is a two-page tribute to Chrissy Amphlett of Divinals, uh, which is part of the UK Anthology Dead Singer Society 4, which is which I'll also have there. And I'll also be launching a brand new book, uh, From Norway to Northgate, uh, which I'm happy to say is done and is off to the printers. So yeah, um, so come to the Fitzroy Beer Garden, which is not too far from the Free CR studio. It's, it's on the corner of Gertrude and Smith Street. If you want to, if you're, if, uh, to get there by public transport, just, uh, take the 86 tram and get off at stop 15. Uh, yeah, Sunday the 16th of December, free entry. So come along and buy some books. Uh, so another event I wanted to showcase is an event called Lucky, uh, Lucky in all caps, which is part of the Multicultural Arts Victoria's Mapping Melbourne Festival. Say that 10 times fast. So this is on the 8th of December on 8pm. It's uh, the, it's sort of organised by the publications Liminal Magazine and Small Fry. They've organised a night where a group of poets will be gathered together to share a bit of a uh, bit of poetry. And some of these artists include, but are not limited to, uh, Chi Tran, Heather Joan Day, Jennifer Nguyen, and Madison Griffin, among others. And there will also be live music and DJs playing on the night. The event will take place uh, at 30 Dukes on 31 Tattersalls Lane in the city. Uh, that's also free entry. So yeah, come on down on the 8th of December, which is this, uh, which is this Saturday. Um, yeah, at 8 p.m. to enjoy a fun night of music and poetry. 
What was the name of the event again? Just it was called Lucky. Lucky in all caps. Lucky in all caps. Okay. Um, yeah, I have two events to shout out to. Um, the first is Infinite and Cutie Pock Exhibition hosted by You Are Love Collective. And it is at Loop Bar. It is um, an event that is a lot of queer and trans artists of colour exhibiting at Lupa and the opening night is on the 6th of December. You can find out more details at um, by by Facebook searching the UO Loved Collective and, and looking at their upcoming events. The second event I'm shouting out to is the fundraiser for the IRL Info Shop um, who I've talked to on the show before and this fundraiser is on the 8th of December there's a lot on this night yeah <laughs> it's um at the Reverence Hotel in Footscray and you can find it by searching IRL info shop fundraiser with Georgia Mac Georgia Mac yeah it features Georgia Mac of Camp Cope it's hosted by Camp Cope if you find if you just um find Camp Cope on Facebook you could find this event and that's about all we have time for today on Queering the Air. You can find us on our Facebook or Twitter or email us at queeringtheair at gmail.com. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.